It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Billing, left-hand side now. Anthony inside the left corner of the penalty. Plays it back to Phil Billing, who smashes it into the back of the net. And Phil Billing scores for the third successive game. Right in front of those travelling Bournemouth fans who are loving their day out in the East Midlands so far. Billing, the Cherries goal machine. It's Forest 1, Cherries 2. Good morning, welcome to episode 129 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis, hope you're doing all right this Monday. And that it's a weekend where Cherries fans across the UK, across the globe, can gloat in the fact that we're top of the league. I mean, albeit joint top of the league, but look, we, we notched our first three points of the season away at Nottingham Forest and... On this podcast, I'm going to be joined by Tom Jordan and Neil Dawson to dissect the match. All of us were at the game, so we can give you a bit of horse's mouth opinion of what it was like at the city ground. Now, before we move on, just want to say thank you so much for all the comments we received for our coverage of the weekend's game. And it included a pre-match free-for-all on the YouTube channel on Friday, followed by a live reaction show that was outside the stadium as Boscombe fans emerged from the city ground jubilant after seeing our 2-1 win. Plus, you may have caught our vlog that we released on Sunday morning. We dropped it about 7.30am and that clocked up a load of views. Thanks so much for your comments. And look, I mean, vlogging is... It's certainly not something that comes natural to me, I've got to say. I'm a person who just wants to enjoy a match day, right? But it's clear that reaction to the videos is really positive, especially for those who are unable to attend. So they get a taster of what it's like at an away day, at a home match. And we try to make it discreet as possible with our brand new camera, which is funded by you guys. So thanks very much. And what that does, that camera actually helps me to enjoy the game a little bit more. So I don't feel like a bit of a tourist. But if you want to support the channel, I'll tell you what, We've got a Legends wall and there are some monthly donators and for you guys, we're eternally grateful. If you want to donate, it's afcbpodcast.com 
forward slash coffee and um, people who donate monthly it just kind of it emphasizes that, you, that you're putting a trust in back of the net by parting with a fee every month of your choice with which we pay for our Streamyard, which is the youtube software graphical software podcast hosting website hosting and a lot more besides so thank you so much for that honest to god we really do appreciate it right we've done the housekeeping we need to talk about forest don't we boscombe 2-1 win our first ever win at the city ground myself neil and tom we better talk you through it hadn't we Firstly, though, we need to get chatting to the panel, and it's a trio today, and it's myself with me is Tom Jordan. Tom, you all right? Very well, mate. Good. We've also got Neil Dawson here as well. Neil, how are you? All the better for yesterday. I haven't got the yesterday's kit, so I managed to dig a t-shirt out that's the same colour. <laughs> Brilliant. And what's it like with this fame, Neil? You were just telling me off air about all these people approaching you. What's going on? Yeah, people come out the ground saying they recognise me from this. I can believe it. So, uh, so no, I'm available for selfies. Yeah, and Tom, uh, apparently you had a selfie or two, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it's it's really nice because you f- it feel like we've been like doing this for a while, but we haven't been in the stadium, have we? With so many fans, so it's it's weird, but really nice, all positive comment stuff mm. from people, which is just great. So it's uh, yeah, really enjoyable. It was great to be back on the away day, to be honest. And, you know, it's well, we need to make it clear, Tom, that we're just regular guys. We're just normal guys that have got normal lives, you know. It's tough sometimes, you know, it's tough. You know, there's people everywhere go, oh, you know, just I, I know it's, it must be difficult, but, you know, just uh, keep doing what doing, Sam. And, um, yeah, I think everyone's really appreciative, like you say, joking aside and uh, all the work you do, mate. And, yeah, just enjoyed it. I just love to talk about football. So it's, it's great. It was weird yeah. to see loads, loads of fans. Like, I only know their Twitter handle, for example. Actually yeah. seeing them, like, awesome. It's it's really weird when people are coming up to me and saying, "Yeah, you know, like, I'm cockbeard." It's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, uh, it's like <laughs> so so many different users. Which which that. site's that though, Sam? That you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's not talk about fab swingers now, shall we? Uh, right, um, Neil. We were talking on last week's show about how amazing it is to be back at your spiritual home. Equally, an away day is brilliant. Nothing nothing beats it. No, it, I mean they are. I've always preferred away games to home games. Um, all I think all of our, you know, all of our greatest memories um, really have come from fantastic away days. So uh, uh, I like just going to other cities, seeing a pub, seeing a, talking to their fans before and after the game. That was really interesting. You know, talking to some Notts Forest fans on the way out the ground about what they thought about our players because it's always they only get to see them for one game, so it's really interesting. Um, mm. It's great just seeing familiar faces, like Tom was saying as well, because. I, I occasionally do like a Tuesday night away at Rochdale or something, and and there's a real diehard of like 140 yeah. people, and it you know, and then over the years that's kind of grown, but they're still there as well, so it's mm. that's brilliant fun. It is, and I was saying on the pre-match show, Tom to John Spark, I think that the sort of motorways of the UK are like arteries, and football fans are the blood, and when you see them in the di- you know various uh, service stations, all sporting their shirts it's it's almost a little bit tribal isn't it and there's a siege mentality when it comes to going to another city and you get a bit of bravado you're going around singing songs not quite as loud as what you were in nottingham at the weekend but there's something really special about it and how good was it to be um back at an away day for you mate? yeah definitely mate 
yeah, and like you say, you just you go to service stations. I remember going, they go, oh, who are they playing today? You know, you see a team, you think, oh, they must be playing. You know, and you're working it out and stuff. And it's yeah, like you say, it's just great. And it feel you know even more so because we've missed it for so long. So yeah, it was great, man. I just I, I same as Neil. I love going to new places, new pubs, speaking to new new fans and stuff like that, getting different perception on things. And yeah, it was just it was really nice. And like I say, it just it felt it felt like something brand new. It's like, oh, I forgot all about how great our away yeah. day is and always helps that you, you go and win and put in a good performance as well. Certain cities are better than others as well. Nottingham's a really good city to yeah. visit. It's not, so, I mean, when you get a crew, it's not so much fun, is it? But there's, there's, there's certain places that are just great. i tell you what you don't see as much of anymore. Scarves flying out of cars. Do you remember you always used uh, to get yeah. down the motorway and there'd be like scarves flying backwards out of cars. So maybe we should have a campaign to resurrect that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because we we left just after the Bluebird coaches departed from Dean Court, so we passed a number of them on the way. And I was thinking, you know, I wish I had something sticking out the car just so people knew that we were Bournemouth fans. But yeah, absolutely loved it. And Neil, you're talking about the the less savoury places like Crew, uh, Nottingham's high up on your list. Where else in the Championship to, uh, can you recommend? Blackpool is always is always a uh, a fantastic. Uh, weekend, I think, or day out. If if you do them, Norwich is a great city for pubs. Obviously, they've gone up now, though, haven't they? So they're not they're, they're not the around cup, anymore. Yeah, yeah, we've got them in the cup, actually. Yeah, of course we have. Yeah, got them in the cup. So yeah, Norwich Norwich is great for pubs. So I just think all of the, just those sort of like big university drinking cities, you know, are great. So like Newcastle is fantastic, but Sunderland's crap. So mm. it's you know, it's just it's just picking the picking the big cities. I think. So, Tom, we all know the story of your day because it's uh, documented on the vlog, but we were in the Canal Side pub and a uh, great little venue, actually, I've got to say. And at that point, the teams were announced and Ibsen Rossi was mm. starting at the expense of Adam Smith. There were various murmurings that he might be missing out. So we were all thinking, OK, now this basically pivots on Jack Stacey's availability. He wasn't available either. So our defence looked very different, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And a uh, real shame because obviously knowing the kind of inexperience and, and youth, youthful side we've got at the moment, you don't want to lose another one of your experienced heads um, in Smithy, which we did. We've got two amazing right backs and they're both out. And um, yeah, so it was, and it was just really, I there was a, you could have changed system and stuff, but I think it was just going to be whether he put Ibsen Rossi there or put Meps across there, which obviously he ended up doing. Apart, but yeah, apart from that, it was as expected because we knew we didn't really have anyone coming back quite yet um but yeah I, you couldn't argue with it after the first performance i i think i think he would have gone unchanged if it weren't for smithy um but yeah i was, I was pleased with and rossi um to, to come into the side because you know i wanted to see a bit more of him only seen a little bit of him haven't we in the uh, pre-season and stuff in the cup game and he hadn't done anything wrong so um i was looking forward to it but i thought that's difficult you got whoever was playing there as a center half playing right back and it was always going to be evident i felt that's it always is evident when that happens but um yeah, so obviously he went for Meps in the end at right back, probably just because he, he felt that he could do that job there. He probably has done it a couple of times in his yeah. career and he's got that experience and uh, thought, yeah, just do there and do a job for me, mate. And to be fair, he did. Mm -hmm. So, Neil, being a pod professional, you're sporting the same colours as our kit that we wore at the weekend. Now that you've seen it in the flesh, did it look any better or are you a bit unconvinced? I love it. You, I've, I've loved it from the minute it came out. I think yeah. the third kit should be something that 
grabs the attention of younger people and uh, and stands out. I can't stand it when you have two bog standard kits and then a third bog standard kit. What's the point? So, uh, and I think it's, I, I love the colour. I think it's really creative. I'm not sure it's the greatest colour to pick up on a football pitch, but mm. um, hence why Plymouth Argyle have always been in the bottom two divisions. But the, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, no, I, I think it's a fantastic kit. Yeah, not bad at all. And, Look, we were talking about the amount of academy players we got on our side, Neil, but you can balance that up by saying, well, we've also got a lot, a number of players. It was about half and half, basically. We've got a number of players that we've paid a lot of money for as well. Forrest's yeah. campaign didn't start particularly great with a loss at Coventry, but even pre-season it wasn't too good because a number of their uh, pre-season friendlies were called off due to COVID. Yes, they did win in the Carabao Club, uh, Cup, but how are you feeling um, ahead of kickoff? Are you fairly optimistic about it? Yeah, I, mean, I think they got a quite good squad um, for us. I know that they're, I mean, Chris Hutton was doing the standard, like we were saying that last week that Scott Parker hasn't done, thank God, and moaning about, you know, how stretched he is and stuff like that. But they had, um, they. I mean, Lewis, Lewis Graben have made more appearances for Bournemouth, I read on the, uh, on the forum today, than any of our subs. Yeah. So, um, and probably more than four or five of the people that started. So you could say nine of the squad, he'd made more appearances for Bournemouth than. Um, so I, I think it's amazing that we're getting the performances we are out of, you know, well, normally you can bring one or two kids in, but, you know, to bring four or five in, I just, I just think it's, it's in, incredible. And the longer they do this, the better, because we can use them as backup knowing that they're proven. And also, we, we will get points on the board. So we won't have too big a gap when, you know, we sign players or players come in. What you don't want to be doing is starting nine points behind the leaders. Um, and we won't be now. So that's great. Mm. And now we join Top Tom on four points because no one else has actually got maximum points so far. But mm. when Forrest started the game, they threatened quite a lot and they had a they had a pretty decent start it was um fairly frenetic they had a free kick early doors and then uh, i seem to remember there was uh a zinc and eagle that fired over the bar i think as well it was a um, fairly worrying start we were just sort of finding our feet in the early stages weren't we yeah they they, they come out of traps quite well for us um and we gave it felt like we just kept giving away free kicks mm. it just felt mm. like it was just they'd, they'd come at us they'd get a free kick we'd get rid of it they'd get a free kick again and yeah like you said probably um without them causing real problems um they definitely started better and we were finding our feet in the game as you say i think they were they were looking at kind of our fullbacks you've got one inexperienced fullback and another one in meps who's not a fullback and i think they were looking at wide areas and like i said we were just bringing them down at times but um mm. Yeah, I, I, I thought it'd be a difficult game. I agree with what Neil said. I, we talked when we said earlier about speaking to other fans and that they seem so pessimistic before the game. Every Forest fan I spoke to, and I thought I don't really understand it because you know, like you say, Lewis Graben sat on the bench, proven at this level. Then Carvalho on the bench, who scored two in the week. They're going that bad. They're sat on the bench. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, and they did start well. But I thought we, like you said, we found our feet and we. Without starting well, we didn't look. They didn't look like they were going to score. I felt we looked pretty comfortable, and we were causing problems when we got the ball. We just needed to get a grip on the game, which fortunately we did quite quickly. Mm. Mm. Brooks was involved in a number of our early chances. I've got to say, and the Forest fans. Let's just talk about them, uh, Neil. As crowds go at away days, how loud do you think they were? Um, they were. It was difficult because I was right in the back row, so I had the roof over me, so I could really hear our fans. So incredibly loud because the noise was blocked in. Mm. Uh, they were, I mean, they managed to belt out Mullo Kintyre, didn't they, at the beginning, like they always 
like they always do. That was quite impressive. Um, I think it's it's always the same with fans, isn't it? If if you home fans don't tend to get into it unless things happen, and it wasn't really till they you know we'll come on and talk about them in the post just before half time. Mm. That was the first meaningful action for them, and then they were loud for a little mm. bit. I think had they scored early, uh, that you know it's it's. It's the rhythm of a stadium. We see it at Dean Court a lot, don't we? we? You know, where we take things for granted, sit on our hands a bit. Um, but yeah, they started loud, then they disappeared, and then they came back loud just before half time and just after half time. Yeah, they did. So, Tom, explain the first like, 30 minutes then, because obviously it culminated in Brooks's goal, opening the scoring on 28 minutes. But um, until then, there, there was quite a nice ebb and flow in the game. Yeah, we started we started getting a grip of it. I thought, and um, we started looking dangerous on the ball. Um, just just some nice little interplay. I thought, um, come on to. I thought Dom Solanke was dropping into areas really well, really clever. And I thought Billing was then stretching them. And you started seeing a, an opening. We were targeting our right side with Brooksy, but then when it was going down the other side, I thought Zamora and Anthony were causing problems. And we just started getting a grip of it. And I thought it's a really nice interplay. And I thought when we when we're getting hold of the ball there, you can see how we're going to get in. Um, it was just getting a bit more of a control of it control of things, which we were just gradually doing as the half progressed. And like I said, really nice goal, wasn't it, from um, from Brookshire's right foot, because I didn't expect him to even take it on, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, and it started off on that side, didn't it? And it was a nice little one-two he played with um, with Dom Solanke. And that's all his goals this season on his right foot, Neil. What's going on? Well, maybe he's been working on it. Um, but uh, I, I, don't, I mean, he's not as one-footed as some people. He's not like Andrew Sermon, is he? That literally had to pirouette to get the ball onto his left foot at any available opportunity. So he's he's uh, he's, he's a clever player. But obviously, you know, he will have been he will have been working at it. I'm not sure which leg he injured because sometimes when you injure one leg, uh, when you come back, you 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 kick more with the, with the other leg. So I might be totally wrong. He might it might have been his le- you know his right leg that he did injure. But if it was his left leg, that might explain it as well. But he um, no, I mean he, he was superb. He, he, you know Dom Slanky intelligent uh, layoff back to him, burst of pace, smashed it across the keeper into the top corner. He'll be playing potentially for a move, won't he? So. Yeah, he will. That's right. That's right, indeed. Now, I'm not too sure when this booking for Brooks happened. Was it before the goal, Tom, or afterwards? In the first half? Yeah, it was the first half, wasn't it? I feel like it might be before the goal. I, I think, think it, it might before. Yeah, yeah I felt, it felt early, didn't yeah. it? It felt early. Um, but yeah, without looking, I'm not, not sure. But it was definitely first half, like you say. And I feel like I mentioned earlier, we were giving away a lot of silly fouls. And I think um, him yeah. and Anthony done a few as well. Probably the, it was almost trying to help their fullbacks who they were tar- targeting. I felt we were just trying to... You know, he was trying to help Meps, I felt, actually, to be fair, first half. Yeah. And he, he just got over, carried away and just, just caught him. And, yeah, it was it was just a standard yellow card. I think Meps had just got one, actually, as well. I think Meps, got yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think kind of that almost had a part to play as well. Brooks, he knows if he gets past me, he's running on Meps, who's out of position on a yellow card. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But he was he was, he was was causing problems, wasn't he, Brooksy? I thought him, Billing and, and Solanke at times, little triangles and that were really causing them problems. I think they had... Um, a debutant at left back who's normally a right back, they were saying. Um, so that won a good start for him. I and mean, I thought we really, you know, looked at that and really Brooksy really made him made him pay a lot of the time. Yeah. Every time he looked up, he was caught out of position. Brooksy was just on him. And um yeah. it's a real shame what ends up happening because it was the first time I thought, well, oh, Brooksy's really coming into it here. So it's yeah. a shame what happened after half time. He was doing it all on his own as well because Mepham mm. didn't attack. Yeah. I, I, I dare say they will have said to Mepham, don't attack. But um, if you look at where Zim, the position Zamura was getting into from left back, 
I mean, if you did a heat map, Mepham would have been absolutely nowhere near that. He, he was he was playing like a centre-back just on the right, wasn't he? So Brooks, we had a little bit of help from Marcondes because Billing tends to go on the left. But he, he really was doing all of that on his own. It was it was um, incredible performance until he was, you know, until we'll talk about what happened afterwards. But incredible. I thought that was clever when that's what you, that's a good point, Neil, because I thought probably obviously he's just chucked in there last minute and just thought, you know, do a job there for me. And like yeah. you say, I reckon he's probably said, don't worry too much about trying to be a right back. Just, mm. just go in the zone. But what we were doing really well was then we were shuffling across. So like you say, it was like a free and yeah. Samura could get up the pitch then, but we weren't getting caught because it was like we had a back three at times. I thought that was really cleverly done. And that was, you know, part, partly Meps, you know, being experienced and also Scott Parker giving them them the instructions, I guess. Yeah. Mm. So we had to throw, obviously, a number of the uh, the youth into this lineup, and Gavin Kilkenny was one of them. And I thought he had a very assured performance until that is the 39th minute where he sort of dilly-dallied on the ball and they went through and got a strike in on goal, Tom. And I think for most of us, our hearts were in our mouths because it's, you know, it's almost like a lick of paint was the difference. And sometimes people say that, but it really was this time. Close, yeah, it was, eh? Oh, it was a decent strike, yeah. And I think... With with Gav, you're going to get that. What I like about him, I said it in the, the first game, is how brave he was for a young lad. Um, I remember Sermon, to a degree, used to get stick for losing the ball. I remember before that, you know, Kane used to yeah. get it a lot. But I love both of them players because I love how brave they are. It's so easy, especially as a young player, to hide. To hide a little bit and think, you know, then I won't give an error away. I'll just hide and people will go, oh, he's done all right. But he just wants the ball. And you do that in land areas of the pitch. You are going to lose it a few times. And what I like about him is when he does lose the ball, he keeps doing it. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop him. He doesn't shy away. But yeah, that yeah. was one of them. Uh, probably give a bit of credit to Forrest. I thought they pressed him quite well in that moment. And um, yeah. like I say, the lad hit him really well, beat Travers, and fortunate for the post. One of them on it. We got we got lucky on that one. But um, he's only going to grow from that. You know, kind of what Neil mentioned earlier about the kind of youngsters playing and stuff, and we're getting the results. We're only going to get better. We're only going to get used to Scott Parker's system more, and these youngsters are only going to get better. So, you know, and when he's making these few little errors, at the moment we haven't been punished for him. And that's that's a crucial thing and he'll learn from it. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Now, when it did hit the inside of the post, it was one of those things where there were people's heads in front of me. So I couldn't see. So I was on my tippy toes trying to see, has it crossed the line or not? So when I just saw it come into my field of vision, bottom left when it was going away, uh, I was eternally thankful. It was Yates who had the shot. And like you say, it didn't stop Kilkenny playing in his usual way, because it would be easy to shut off and maybe be a bit more negative, but he wasn't. He he still kept at it and seems to be a trait of what, you know, Scott Parker seems to have sort of mentally instilled into some of the players and seems to be, seems to be looking really well. Now at this point, Neil, we've talked a little bit about Zamora, a little bit about Anthony, but Ibsen Rossi, the fact that we haven't mentioned him so far is probably a good thing because he was so assured at the back, wasn't he? I thought he was really good. Yeah, well, I said about Kilkenny last week, it was like he played 60 games. That's the biggest compliment you could pay him. And I would say it's exactly the same about Ibsen Rossi, because like with all kids when they get in the side, you panic for them, don't you? It's like when you watch your own kids play football, you're, like, you're just praying that they don't give it away or don't do anything stupid, which is ridiculous. So you think about Kilkenny's one, you know, there was a bloke next to me going, oh, this is what happens when you play kids. You think, well, hang on a minute, what central midfielder have we ever had that you know that I can remember Lerma doing it for a couple of goals last oh, year. Yeah, and he's, yeah. as good as we, he's as good as we've got. You play central midfield, you're going to get caught on the ball. Um, it's going to happen, isn't it? So, uh, but no, Ibsen Rossi. I mean, he won a lot in the air. He was comfortable receiving it, like all our young players are. Because I think you know they, they've had that brought bred into them. Um, and uh, he, he came up through. 
uh, youth systems, didn't he, at Southampton and Brentford. So he's, he's had good schooling in clubs that play football and he, he just just really comfortable. But yeah, I stopped worrying about him after about the 20th minute. Just thought he's, he's fine. Let him, you know, I, I can worry about someone else. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So it approached half-time and we managed to keep our clean sheet up to that. Now let's talk about half-time, Tom, because that deserves a conversation on itself queuing absolutely ages for a beer i was you were yeah exactly you were you were there from what five minutes before half time and i think you got your beer at about 357 what made it worse was after queuing it was a warm can of carling oh, oh it was horrible wasn't it and it it was actually a can of carling that they poured out into the plastic beaker in front of us it, you know there wasn't any disguising it it wasn't refrigerated it was rank on it absolutely oh. rough Oh, it was awful. We had we had a few good a few good beers during the during the day, but yeah, that was one of them. Um, yeah, and like I say, just cans of Carlin that weren't even in the fridge, and it was just they were warm and horrible, weren't they? And uh, yeah, and it took a while to queue for them as well, so that was that was disappointing. And then I ended up getting a steak pie, which ended up going over someone's head in front of me when we got our second goal. So I didn't mm. even eat that. So um, yeah, it wasn't a successful half time, but. Um, no, it was, uh, it was a shame, but it was still, it was, I still love them half times when you're down there. There's loads of people singing and stuff like yeah. that. Because when we were down there, we thought we were still winning for a while. Yeah, we did. We <laughs> did. I'll tell you what, so if you bought that pie at half time and it didn't go over anyone until we scored our second goal in like the 60th minute. Yeah. You must be like on Slimming World or something, because I'd have had that gone by the, I'd have had that gone by the time Forrest scored. Hey, don't get this figure for nothing, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right, though. Way, yeah. We were all sort of joining in with the chance downstairs in the concourse, and uh, some some lad just came up to us, didn't he, Tom? And said, "Yeah, you know, it's one all." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "What? You having a laugh? One all?" So like you'd expect to hear something. Now I know that we there were at like at what about twenty odd, twenty five odd Bournemouth fans chanting "Glory, Glory, AFC Bournemouth" in the concourse, but that was not loud enough to drown out twenty five thousand Forest fans. But seemingly it was because I didn't hear a peep. I wouldn't have known. Didn't even know there was a chance or anything. I honestly didn't. It wasn't like you thought oh, something happened there. Like literally nothing at all. And then that's why I didn't believe the guy. And then a few more people said it. And um, yeah, honestly, didn't have a clue they scored. But yeah, I guess we were just down there and in the mo- and you just yeah, I guess you just don't hear it. But yeah, that was a real real shame because you know I was so confident and I thought yeah we'll be all right now we'll just see this out. So um, that was a blow the weight you never liked. We had a spell of doing that. I think it was in the Premier League. Where I always felt like we could see it early in the second half. It was so frustrating, but um, because you feel it must be horrible for a manager, you know, he's probably you know, giving them all this talk, and then you go straight out there and see if you ask out the window. But we recovered, that's the main thing, yeah. So, Neil, you may have seen the free kick, you may have seen the goal go in, you may have seen how it was given. What happened? Uh, it was, uh, I think Brooks gave away the free kick, I think it was a soft, softish free kick. Um, should it have been given, shouldn't it have given? It's one of those that you get at home, I think. Uh, and then, uh, and then, lo and behold, we can see to a headed goal at the far post. You know, to be fair, it's been a week since we have done that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think it's going to be um, in, engraved on my gravestone. That thirty years of watching Bournemouth, I can't remember when we ever have been the successful aerial team at defending set pieces. But anyway, I'm sure there must have been one season. But yeah, so it was the classic guy, like strong curling ball into the back post despite the fact there was one of them and three of us still got his head to it. 
wondered whether Travis could have got a firmer hand to it or yeah. better keeper might have, you know, got to it. I might be being unfair on him. I'd like to see a replay from behind the goal, but that's what it looked like from where we were. But anyway, it was good header. You know, should have should have been should have been marked better. Usual story. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few replays of the goal now. So it was uh, Zinkenagel who put in the free kick, and it was McKenna who got on the end of it. And when he headed the ball, he was actually sort of facing away from goal, um, and he just got got he got a flick off the back of his head. Now there was Zamora there, there was Marcondes, and I think there was someone else, Lloyd Kelly maybe. And I felt like one of them should have got to the ball first. I mean, you know, they were goal side of him, but. He he just managed to get that flick, and I think Mark Travers's feet were just planted or set in the wrong way. And we know what it's like for a goalkeeper. Even if you do the slightest movement one way, it's very difficult to get back the other way. And maybe that was you know partially on his mind, but he didn't get to the ball. One all. Tom, can you lay the blame with anyone, or are you going to refuse to do that? No, I don't think so. I think it's one of them. You know, like like Neil said, it was just. If I, I remember being a kid saying to my dad, why do we always concede from like corners at Westwell? And that was, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s when we were a lot worse aside. So, yeah, seems to be our thing. But no, I think it's probably a lack of communication. Who was marking him? You know, I, I'm not sure. And I, I, I'm the same as Neil, really. Maybe a, a Begovic might have come out and got it. But I don't want to be too harsh on Travers. I think, um, you know, I do think we could probably do with a keeper. Um, I didn't think he was great on the opening day, but I, I, I thought he was he was good during this game, especially sure. in the latter parts yeah. when we needed him to stand up. Um, he come out, punched a few later on in the game, caught a few, and stood up and was counted. You know, and that's that's what we needed. And he was good at time wasted as well. But um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want to put anything on Travis. I actually thought we had a decent game. Mm. Okay, so we'll move on to the Cherries goal to make it two one then. And David Brooks was was part of it again because. One of the things that I've noticed recently, he seems to be coming inside more and he seems to have a lot of freedom, whereas previously he just seemed to be glued down that right-hand side. Um, but he came across the pitch uh, and then oh, I think he played it into Billing, who then put in Jade Nantony. And once again, Jade Nantony, um, perfectly timed ball, perfectly weighted. Philip Billing didn't even need to break stride. He carried on his run through, uh, met the Jade Nantony pass. And then from, from where I was, Neil, I was thinking... It's going to be a, a ball square. Yeah. It's not going to be a shot from that angle, but somehow he managed to beat the keeper. Not sure if it went near post or through his legs, but you know, delighted that it went in anyway. Yeah, I mean, Forest fans I was talking to afterwards, that was their big criticism was of their keeper. Uh, just just said that, you know, they were sat in the stand and had a really good view of it and said that it was just... So I guess it probably went near post and half underneath him. I mean, he hit it hard. Mm. Uh, again, credit Jaden Anthony because he's the king of that no-look pass into space behind a fullback, um, second week in a row. Uh, Billing hit it, you know, hit it like a bullet. So, whether again, I think maybe a better keeper might have saved it, but we're not complaining. No, we're not complaining. And uh, Tom, what was your emotions when that went in? Beer flying everywhere. I got a load of liquid chucked on my back. Now, it probably wouldn't be beer because I'm not allowed to bring it in, right? But perhaps it was water or Coke, I'm not sure. But I hope so, for your sake, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I thought certainly hope so as well. Yeah, that looks like a pie went. The remaining, I had a bit of a pie left, fair bit actually. Um, and yeah, and that, that went everywhere. But yeah, I, I was right. I was in a really good view of that because I was uh, right at the front actually. I was row B. Mm. And yeah, it was a weird one because I thought the same. He's just going to cut this back. And um, but it just seemed like it was shit. I mean, it probably maybe the goalkeeper should do better, but it was just sheer power. And I think mm. almost the goalkeeper probably thought what we did. Um, that he's just going to yeah, shoot. Yeah. yeah. He's just going to put it across goal and maybe took that step expecting a ball across goal. But yeah, Billings in a nice bit of form. And like Neil said, another really good pass from Anthony. 
who actually, even though he, I know he was given man of the match last week when we thought he probably shouldn't have been, even though he had a good game, he was probably better in parts. Um, yes, mm-hmm. I thought he was brilliant. Um, and him and Zamora, you can see that understanding. They've they've played together a long time. You forget that. Yeah. And um, you can see that understanding developed a lot through the game and also defensively. But yeah, really good moment. Obviously, knowing what happens just after the goal, it was a good job we got it. Yeah, it was two minutes after the goal, Neil. And things things like that seem to always happen to Bournemouth. It's, it's never simple, is it? No, it was it was infuriating because when he tapped um, when he tapped the player just uh, before that, he, he and I wondered if he was going to get a second yellow then. Uh, but apparently it wasn't that bad a foul. Um, but the referee went over and spoke to him. And clearly at that point, you know, as a player, you've been booked, you've been spoken to by the referee. You've either got to come off. And I think to be fair, if Stanislas been on the bench, maybe he would have come off, but he wasn't going to bring Sadie on for half an hour. No. So that didn't, that doesn't help when you've got a threadbare squad. Um, so, but you know that you just cannot do anything. And if he was going to commit one more foul in the game, it had mm. to be one with four minutes to go when a guy was clean through on goal. That's the only time that would have been yeah. excusable. To, to tug someone's shirt just because they got round you 75 yards from goal. I mean, I mean, and Scott Parker gave it to him on the radio afterwards, which is, yeah. you know, which we're not used to because Eddie Howe would never have done that. Uh, but I thought, no, fair play, because he didn't, he, you know, he, he let a very young team down. It turns out he didn't let them down in the end, but we've still got to go without him on Wednesday. And he would have been our key player on Wednesday. And now we haven't got him. So, you know, Scott Parker's probably mad with him, not just for this game, but for the fact that he's already playing half a youth team. And now he's going to have to probably slot one more in on Wednesday. So he's he's let them down twice, but I, I'm sure he knows that. Mm. It concerns me. How, like, like Neil said, how far he was. I mean, the player was nowhere near. Like he wasn't through on goal. Like you no, say, no. If you're gonna, sometimes you go, he's got to do it. I mean, it's, it looked like it was just pure frustration. Like you say that he'd been beaten. But um, and I genuinely think if all the I reckon Parker's thinking in his head as well. I give him ten minutes. Just, just be sensible for ten minutes, and then I might have to freshen it up because you know they're mm. going to target him on a yellow. And he, he couldn't, you know what I mean? He couldn't just get past the next 10 minutes without doing anything silly. Really frustrating. But like you say, Parker certainly... Or even if he just mistimed a tackle. Yeah. He still would be, he'd still be on, we'd still all be on here saying how dumb was he to put himself on the floor, throw himself, you know, go into a tackle. But a, a shirt tug is like a 12-year-old, like, petulant thing. It's just... It's I used to say that about um, Harry Arto. I didn't mind when he used to get bookings for the late tackles. I used to think that's part yeah. of his game. But when he'd gob off at the ref... And get yeah. his fifth suspension, a fifth booking of the season. Yeah. You don't need to do that, mate. Yeah, I think it was one of them, wasn't it? Really, just really frustrating. I think that's what Scott Parker was alluding to, which is so silly. Yeah. But um, Brooks will know that. And fortunately yeah. for him, the, the boys dug him out. And what do you think of the fact that he dealt with it, Scott Parker, like he did by publicly calling him out? Because, like you say, Neil, it wouldn't have been something that Eddie did. Uh, did. He. Parker seems to praise players when they're due praise, but also berate them when they're due some criticism yeah. as well. Uh, do you like that? Yeah. Um, yes, I think so. I think I think this is such an sh- extreme example um, that I think it is probably worth calling out. I think had, say, um, you know, Zamura given the ball away twice for goals, I don't think he would have called him out on, on stuff like that. You know, where some managers do, you know, Jose Mourinho, as we know, famously with Luke Shaw, he destroyed that poor lad, didn't he, for... For a whole season, um, so no, so I think I think this was a really extreme example, and I think in a way maybe it's him saying to the squad what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and letting the fans know what's acceptable, and what's not acceptable. So I wouldn't like to see him do it 
too often or for other reasons, because I think these things are best kept in-house. But I think this one was notable, so worth doing. John Spark on the uh, free-for-all outside the stadium, Tom, said that in a weird sort of way, he, he didn't mind and he was quite calm when it went to a 10 uh, when we lost uh, you know, Brooks because we played more compact. And, you know, Scott Parker's done that before. He's, you know, he's used to be able to do that. Um, and to be fair, it didn't look like we were that much under the cosh. In fact, it was our academy players that, you know, combined to score a goal that there wasn't to be. Uh, Zamora to Anthony and it was Zamora that was offside, was it, Tom? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I think because he, he pulled it across, didn't he, frankly? I don't think there was any yeah. way Anthony could be offside. I think Zamora just didn't time his run quite quite, quite right. But yeah, and yeah, we were lucky. We still caught, that was nice to still have that threat on the break, wasn't it, um, with that pace and you'd see a fullback bombing on in them areas um, when you're down to 10 men is, is promising. He's certainly got legs, hasn't he? But that's, to be fair, that's what you're going to get with a youthful side. You are going to have the legs. Yeah. And Zamora and Anthony certainly are two that show that. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I know what um, I think you said John said. I, I, I can see what you're saying. I mean, don't get me wrong, you never want to go down to 10 men. I no. certainly didn't want it at the time. But it does give you that thing of, right, we've just got to defend the lead. We've just got to defend the lead. Now, there's there's nothing about, oh, should we try? You know what you've got to do. Um, mm. And then the more the minutes tick away, and it also puts a lot of impetus on them. And suddenly the, the crowd are expecting them to score mm. rather than thinking, oh, Bournemouth are a good side. They're thinking, no, we've got to now. We've got half hour against 10 men. Yeah. Um, and it puts a bit of pressure on him. So I think away from home sometimes when you're leading, sometimes you can just get it done. And um, it, yeah, you all, you all know your roles, don't you? You all know your jobs. And um, sometimes that, that can help. And back to the wall stuff. And, and the boys certainly showed it. I was, I was a bit concerned if they had got an early goal that with the youthful youthfulness of our side, that it would have been hard to then even hang on to a draw. But, you know, the minutes tick away and you, you grow in confidence. And um, yeah, and like you say, that chance showed that we still had a bit of a, we still causing problems on the break as well. Mm. Tactically, Scott Parker did two things that were really, really clever that need that need calling out. The, the first thing he did was he spotted that we were Billing was getting a bit tired covering uh, Zamura on the left, uh, and he pulled Solanke across and yeah. played him as a, a left-sided striker with Marcondes as a right-sided striker. Both of them very withdrawn, and that just put energy on the left because Dom did a really great shift up and down. And that, that meant that they had to keep trying to funnel the ball into the middle um, and then move it back out wide and cross it. So after a little while of watching them do that, he then moved to a back five and had three centre-backs. And our and our three centre-backs were all taller than Lewis Graben and uh, they, didn't, they haven't got a tall striker for us. So we managed to play them into a position where their only hope was to get the ball wide and loft it into the box mm. when we had um, Mepham Kelly and uh, Ibsen Rossi Heading the heading the ball away because Leif Davis came on and played it right back. So it was a it was an absolute tactical masterclass. And he twice changed it when they looked like they might have found a route through. Yeah. And it was you know you got to take your hat off and say you know we call managers out when they make mistakes. That was brilliant. I remember yeah. saying uh, very similar. I remember there was a guy next to me who was getting you know close them down when they were crossing it. And I was kind of saying the same thing. I was going let them cross it. This that's the yeah. best thing we want them to just put balls in the box here because I've never seen grabbing with Edda. And mm-hmm. our three centre halves are good in the air. I said yeah. honestly, I know it's 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 difficult, isn't it? As a fan, you don't you keep seeing balls go in the box. But I was like Neil said, I thought that was our best way we we're going to get through the game is just them getting panicky and just launching balls in. And yeah. um yeah, we dealt with that really well. And like you say, Scott Parker, I, I kept thinking he can't really change it. He's got no one that can play kind of that right side. But Leif Davis and fair play to him, they said he's barely had a training session with the boys, left footed. He come on, I thought he in his short cameo, I thought he was brilliant. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Bournemouth, wasn't it? Playing a left, a left-sided player on the right-hand side, and vice versa. We've all seen that before. But yeah, he did come on, and you know, oh, nearly created a chance. Now, Neil mentioned a couple of players' names that we've we've barely even touched on: Solanke and uh, Marcondes. Just then, when he last spoke, uh, Neil probably fair to say that one had a better game than the other. Would you say that's right? Who? Well, uh, I think Solanke was better than Marcondes yesterday. Yeah. So Marcondes, um, he's had two brilliant games for us, and he, he was a little quieter yesterday, wasn't he? He did some neat things, um, but yeah, he wasn't he wasn't as dominant. And they, they took him off. He looked a bit, he looked a bit knackered. Um, a lot of football uh, in a week, I guess. Um, and but uh, where Solanke um, didn't look a goal threat again, but everything else he did, he did really, really well. Um, so and there, Leif Davis got skipped down the right, put a wonderful ball in, and Solanke kind of threw himself at it, didn't he? And uh, it, I didn't realise so I watched it back on telly. He was actually very close. He was very yeah. close to it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, a great ball in, and goodness knows where he'll play on Wednesday. Leif Davis <laughs> might be up front. Yeah, he could well be. I think, I think that's a good point. I was just going to say, Sam, we said about because yeah. I because I really like my Condes, the early sides I've seen. But I think he's going to be the type of player that if we're leading the game, particularly if we go down to ten. But anyway, if we're leading the game, especially away from home, with kind of twenty minutes to go, he'll be the player that comes off because he's he's so good on the ball. He's such a creative player. He's such an intelligent player. But off the ball, that's not kind of his. And I, I thought he'd done well against West Brom and stuff. And you keep him on the pitch because he can make something happen. Mm. But I think it was the perfect game. To kind of withdraw him because I, yeah. I just think you're not going to get get enough from him. He's, that's not not his role. Um, but I still thought he was good again. But Dom Solanke, I thought Parker's um, singled him out, and he, which I was uh, really pleased to see because I know he's. Yeah, I agree. I wish he would just put the ball in the net a few times to shut people up because I'd love him to do that. But his his work rate and when he went to that left hand side and and what I liked about him was him dropping off and he, he's. I tell you what, Billing is reaping the rewards. Because he's he's so intelligent. I think it goes under the radar. I think some of his movement is superb. Um, but yeah, just the shift and the way he helped out Jordan Zamora um, in the last kind of fifteen minutes was exceptional. So um, I was really pleased Parker singled him out because yeah, you're always going to be talked about goals, but we don't we don't score a few of the goals early in this these first two games of the season if it for some of Solanke's movement, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, so Leif Davis came on, as you said, for, for Marcondes. Before that, Nottingham Forest made a couple of substitutions. I think it was Mighton came on for uh, Lolly, but then Lewis Graben came on as well. You know, replacing Taylor is Lewis Graben. Boo! I mean, we're horrible, wouldn't we? Alarm me, Neil, because if the score was 4 1, we'd be giving him a cheer. We are so fickle. I, never, I don't think we ever really forgave him for the way he left us the first time. No. I, I didn't. And I know he, I know he came back, but he didn't come back out of charity. He came back because we offered him a whopping great paycheck. Uh, but when he left us the first time, he left us because we had no hope of going up, and he wanted to go to Norwich. He did have a hope of going up, so you know that he was very, he was very, he was he was pretty clear about that. Um, so I don't think he was very popular on his second stay with us. He certainly didn't do anything on the pitch. So I think a lot of that is residue left from when he when he chose to go somewhere where he thought would have a better chance of promotion. I'm yeah. too nice, aren't I? I stood up and clapped him. I did. Did I, you? I, gen oh, I genuinely God, did, so yeah. Nice. I, I, I agree with everything that, um, I, don't get me wrong, uh, two minutes later, I was, you know, singing, you know, have you ever seen Grabham win the league? But yeah. I, I I don't, I've, I've never, I've always liked Grabs to be fair. I, don't, I, I do, everything Neil said is bang on. I always just look at it and think, his goals in the first championship season were, were exceptional. I think people forget how good he was in League One as well. 
um, him and Pittman. And also, we never, we probably wouldn't have got Callum Wilson if he hadn't have wanted more money and wanted to go to Norwich. So, yeah. self, I know he didn't want that. He, it wasn't him that made that happen, but really, thank God for that because then we got Callum Wilson in. But yeah, yeah I, 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 I've never minded grabs and I've just always thought he's a bit of a goal, goal machine, isn't he? And I, to be the biggest compliment I could pay him, I think I said it to you on the vlog, Sam, was that mm. I was worried when he came on because he's just yeah, turned and just yeah. nicked one. I remember yeah. as soon as he left, I think the first time he played him, he scored at Norwich um, mm. against us. Yeah, you just feel like he could sniff something out, which once again goes back to Neil's point that Scott Parker, very clever again, moved Meppham in, went to three and thought, I don't want to give Graham any sort of room to just find find a bit of movement and get on the end of something. So we kept him quiet, which is the main thing. Yeah, on the whole, we did. I mean, earlier in the show, Tom, you were saying that, you know, we want them to cross it, but then we didn't deal with that free kick very well. But also on 77 minutes, Graben, he stretched... Uh, athletically, that's what AFCB.co.uk called it. And look, we weren't, weren't sure whether it went over the line or not, but he managed to win the header and the flag went off for offside anyway. It went up. Um, whether it crossed the line, we're not too sure. But Forrest were applying some pressure and Graben was in that position. So he is a, he, he is a threat. He player. was, but and people say a lot, don't they, when a goal is disallowed, they go, oh, yeah. ball for lucky there. I go, ah, great line. Good defender. Right. If, right, if he's offside, he's offside. The defender's yeah. done something right. That's why I think he's offside. So, yeah, if he was onside, he might not have got it. Um, but, yeah, don't get me wrong. They were still putting a bit of pressure on. But I felt in the main, half an hour with 10 men away from home with the youthful side we had yeah. out, I felt we were dealing with things really well. Um, and I'd rather them, what I was trying to say is I'd rather them cross it from deep and keep running at us and, and you know, think different things like that. So, um, yeah, I did well, think we dealt with it in the main. I think sometimes a youthful side helps in a position like that because they've got no fear, have they? So yeah, people always say that about kids. Like the young players playing for England in the European Championships, they all know that they've got another two World Cups and another two European Championships. Yeah. Fear comes when you're 32 and you realise this is this could be my last go at this, my last chance to get promotion. So... If Zamora and Anthony carry on playing the way they are, they've got 14 or 15 years playing football in front of them. So I think they just carried on, you know, attacking, didn't they? There was a couple of times where I thought a more experienced player would have gone to the corner flag and they were, you know, they were they were looking, still looking to score. And I think that's what that's what you get with young players, isn't it? No fear. So what if you're 35 then, Tom, and your name's Gary Cahill? Do you have fear then? Have you heard these uh, rumours? Yeah, I don't feel I'd fear you'd be looking for another decent because I'd, I'd hope it doesn't happen to be honest okay. I mean if he comes in he's experienced he's a good footballer Gary Cale to be fair he's pretty good last season and he's a good player I'm not denying that at all I don't like bringing in a player like that I remember we done it with Distan I feel like they're just looking for a last paycheck yeah. Bournemouth's a nice place to live if they he's going to be not going to be cheap on the wage bill at all and I, I so I wouldn't make sense when we're trying to trim the wage bill so I hope it's just kind of paper talk, really, because I don't really see the sense in it. We've got Ibsen Rossi coming through. We've got Chris Meppen. We've got Lloyd Kelly. We've got Steve Cook. I don't get it. We need a striker. We could do a winger. We need a goalkeeper. We don't really need a centre-half. Um, no. Uh, the only the, If we were to bring him in, the only thing I'd think was Scott Parker's trying to bring in experience um, and yeah. he sees that Gary Kell is available. That, that, that would be my only thing, is he thinks I could do with a bit of leadership, a bit more experience in this group. And Kale's available. Um, but yeah, it would make no sense to me, no. really. I'd, I'd do it if Cook was going, maybe. Yeah. But even then, I'd rather get Cam Carter Cameron Vickers. I'm, I'm not sure how much experience we need. I don't I don't think... I, I think sometimes experience can be overrated. I think we're seeing that with some of the players that we've got playing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, and maybe if Cook went, you might, if you wanted a leader in the dressing room, but if Cook's staying, I don't why on earth would you have Cook and Cahill? Because they're not going to play them together, are you? So. No, 
No, very true, very true. I, it seems that since these rumours have come out, there's this it's sort of sparked again, these rumours of Steve Cook leaving, but we've heard nothing to suggest that. And I think it's just people uh, maybe sort of adding two and two and making five. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything in that. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably along the same lines as you with regards to that, Tom. Uh, so yeah, towards the end of the game, we've talked about that Leaf Davis squaring it to Solanke. Just before that, though, Shot from Jaden Anthony that he just sort of pulled wide. I thought he probably could have done better with that shot. Do you think, Tom? I mean, I was at the game and I can't even remember. Um, <laughs> I honestly got, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was I could have had an ounce, had an ounce for a lot of it defending it. But yeah, no, I vaguely remember what you mean. Yeah, he did drag it well, a little bit. But he's, yeah, what so, I think about Kil- Jaden Anthony is he's, he's so lively. He was still trying to make things happen, wasn't he? Yeah, and that was Kilkenny's industry in the middle of the park. He, yeah, who, who won it and then he set him free. Um, and then, yeah, Jay Nancy just pulled it wide. It, it was from about 25 yards, but I just felt as though he should have hit the target. But look, we managed to see the game out. Travers was fairly strong. He came out for crosses when he needed to. And Neil Dawson, we, we witnessed a Scott Parker masterclass, didn't we? <laughs> in, in terms of what? Clothes or? <laughs> Clothes, fashion, but also how to handle going down to 10 men when you've got half an hour left, which to be fair, when you've got that amount of academy players on the pitch is, is no mean feat, is it? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we talked through why, how he did it um, already, haven't we? So he did two very subtle swaps when yeah. uh, that changed the game every time Nottingham Forest looked like they changed the game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think if anything, yesterday was his victory. Yeah. Uh, if you would, you know, we always have a player man of the match, but I think Scott, Parker managed that team to victory yesterday. So, you know, it all goes well because we all, we, I think we were all in the, we had no opinion, did we, on Scott Parker? We weren't, we weren't over disappointed. We weren't overexcited. We didn't know what to expect. Um, and so having gone into it with no agenda whatsoever or thought of what would happen, I'm now in the impressed camp. So, uh, but being a fickle football fan, that can all change in a week. <laughs> Mm, yeah, it can. And uh, no, Tom, moment, we've got, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. We've we've got um, some difficult decisions. Well, not we, but Scott has got. It all depends on injuries, doesn't it? And but uh, Birmingham City, uh, we haven't lost there. But I don't know. It's um, I've got a horrible feeling about this one. I don't know why. Have you? They, well, they look a bit better. They should be better, shouldn't they, Birmingham? Mm. I know they've strengthened. I think Bowyer's um doing all right there. They're on four points, same as us. I think they might be. Um, mm. But yeah. yeah. That, and it's is it diff- is it going to be a difficult game? And like I said, but we know Brooks is out, and we don't know what's going to happen. He's going to come in. I could see Stanislas being back for the game. We could have Smith back on the right side of midfield. We could have Stacey. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he could play one of the youngsters. Though. I honestly don't know what what's going to happen. We know Brooks is out though, don't we? Um, hmm. But yeah, and I don't I don't see loads of players coming back. I don't see him changing too much. But I still think we're we're a good side, and I, I'm still confident of going there and winning. I certainly wouldn't take a draw, but. Um, yeah, it's been, a good, it's been a good start, you know, considering the players we've got out and I'm, I'm on the same camp as Neil, didn't have, I kind of thought, oh, he's hyped up a bit and he's got Parker, I don't know what he's like as a manager, to be honest, but early signs, I'm really impressed, really impressed. Birmingham will be our toughest test yet, I would say. My neighbour's a Birmingham City fan, I was talking to him over the fence this morning, getting a bit of lowdown ahead of this, and... Uh, he was saying that since Bowie's come in, they've lost three times only. Once was Watford away, uh, and twice at the end of last season when he played all the kids because he wanted to see what that whether they were any good. Uh, they've not conceded a goal this year. Um, he said they're looking tight as a drum uh, at the back. 
just lacking a little bit of a spark up front. So, yeah, so he, he said it, you know, he, I, I think it will be our toughest of the toughest test. I suppose West Brom was a tough test, wasn't it? But I think this will be another, this will be tough for the Forest. There we go then. Really enjoyed that, Tom. Thanks very much for coming on. Any closing comments? No, not really. Just that, yeah, it's just it's good to have a feel-good factor around the place again, isn't it? Early days and yeah. see the youngsters and that. But yeah, just really nice to see. I think, you know, it's been tough for a while, hasn't it? Especially not going. And it's just nice to see two things, really. Players playing with heart. Love that. Mm. And also use, and also the intelligence of some of them players, I think, has been, been o- overlooked as well. I think, you know, it's it's easy to just be gutsy like we were in that second half, you know, with 10 men. But you've also got to be quite shrewd and clever. And I think that's coming from the manager. And um the, the players are shown on the pitch. So, yeah, really good. And looking forward to another away day on uh, Wednesday, if you fancy it. Why not? Why not? Will we'll be going? Will you be there, Neil? I'll be there. Yep, I will be there. I have a very short trip for me because I've got a house in the Midlands. So, uh, it's a good, been a good week for me. Not not too much travelling. So, that's great. But, but no, my, my closing thoughts, you know, we don't look to win titles as Bournemouth fans. What we look for is honesty uh endeavor and a team playing a little bit better than maybe they are individually um when they're put together as a team so we had years and years and years of that with eddie um and uh it, you know not had it for a couple of years feels like we've got it back so i think that's our natural spot where we're happiest yeah very much so very much so well tom it's going to be a busy day for me and you because we'll be at the golf day in the morning trying to make sure that everyone's so harry redknapp's going to be there um matt Latiz. Tony Funnel, of course. Tony Pulis. Is it, yeah, it's going to be... So we're going to be, like, vlogging all that. And then we're going to be going straight to St. Andrews, pick up Tiggs on the way, and uh should should be a good away day. Maybe not an 8-0 day, but hopefully it will be another three points. Fingers crossed. Is Graeme Soonis there as well, isn't he? Or not? He, he should be, yes. Uh, I think... I think there is a bit of conjecture about that, but if not, he will be replaced with someone of equal status. So yeah, we will um, we will make sure that happens. So yeah, going to be a good one. Looking forward to it. Uh, Tom, thanks very much, mate. Cheers, boss. Cheers, Neil. Thank you very much. Cheerio. Amazing, amazing. Great to be joined by the guys. So that was Neil Dawson, Tom Jordan and myself, Sam Davis, all jubilant after a 2-1 win. So look, we're making these podcasts really stripped down now. Uh, Previously, I would edit out visual references. So Neil Dawson at the start of the pod, he, he mentioned his attire. Our podcast show is exclusively on YouTube until the podcast release on a Monday morning. So on a Sunday night at eight, we've got our second look show. That's the same as what you're listening to now. So if you want to get involved, you can subscribe at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. But you know what? What it does, us doing it this way, it reduces the time it takes to put out a pod. But hopefully you can still benefit from what we like to think is fairly concise Cherry's opinion. Of course, I know we used to do the feature like Michael's match report and do you remember in the newsroom and all that kind of stuff. You know what? They had their time and they had their place. Maybe at some point in time when we're professionals at this thing, we can bring them back. But anyway, hope you enjoyed what you listened to today. If you want to leave a review for us, we'd really appreciate it. So if it's positive, um, 
then then do it via iTunes or your podcast app where you can leave a review. If it's negative, email us first, yeah? Because we'd love to iron out the creases and see what we need to do better. So fans at afcbpodcast.com is the email address if you've got any suggestions for future pods. But look, have an amazing week. We'll see you at Birmingham. Really looking forward to another away game twice in, what, four or five days and then we're home against Blackpool. The next pod will be dropping after that Blackpool game. Hopefully all smiles. And look, we may even be top of the league by then. You never know. Until then, thanks for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Billing, left-hand side now. Anthony inside the left corner of the penalty. Plays it back to Phil Billing, who smashes it into the back of the net. And Phil Billing scores for the third successive game right in front of those travelling Bournemouth fans who are loving their day out in the East Midlands so far. Billing, the Cherries goal machine. It's Forest 1, Cherries 2. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.